Hello, 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 and welcome back to Chat With Me, Chat With Emmy, and the final instalment of Episode 5, Part 3, Management and Treatments. So I hope you managed to listen into the last episode. I just wanted to give a quick uh, reminder, or not really a reminder, but a warning that uh, next week, because this goes live on Thursday, next week I'm away at the Isle of Wight with um, my family. Well, Lindsay's family, which is my family too, obviously by proxy, um, which will be a lovely little break for the girls because I'll be able to rest in the house there and they'll be able to go down to the beach, which will be absolutely lovely because the summer holidays start officially today. Yes, well, technically yesterday at 2, 2 p.m. because I had to pick um, Aurora up. Um, it's really weird saying that when I'm talking about the future and the past and I've not reached there yet. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, so it's going to be quite a challenging couple of weeks to get Kind of, we've got a lot of cover, a lot of help, which will be good, and we've got family that we're going to visit to, um, and which will be good because I'll be able to rest and the girls will be able to do something. So, um, I just wanted to say that the next episode might might well be in the three weeks time rather than two weeks, due to the fact that I'll be going away, there'll be travelling involved. So there's, the chances are when I come back, I might not have the time to record it because we're away from Sunday to roughly either the Sunday or the Monday after, so about eight or nine days, give or take. So I might come out, I might not be able to record the next episode when I to keep it in time with what we normally have. So if it is in three weeks, I apologise now, but um, I'd rather give you a proper episode than trying to rush one when I'm not feeling it. So anyway, no further ado, but to get back to the physio and treatment, and we covered quite a lot about what, we do kind of pharmaceutical wise so i'm going to go down the um other kind of things that do and don't work um and a trial that was done which i could have been involved with but i wasn't but i'll explain that in a minute but so there's three main blocks here and um people who have me will know when i when i talk about it and they'll they'll have their opinion, which will probably match mine. But um, I'm going to go through it anyway, because there'll be people who won't know. So the main um, things that, especially when I was diagnosed, the three things that were um, on offer to us was what's called pacing, graded exercise, and CBT. So pacing or GET, GET, or CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. So the first one kind of comes into two, or that's how they tried to do it. And it, it's really tough because there's a lot of proof that graded exercise doesn't work because, as I've spoken about previously on here, it causes post-exertional malaise. So it's that feeling of you might be able to do something in the moment, but you get the payback and crash later where all the symptoms flare up and you get worse. So it, like I've said before, it's the the illness that um, you push harder, it makes you worse. So it's, especially at the beginning, it's the pacing side of it is is literally trying to achieve the correct balance between appropriate amounts of rest and activity. I should also say this is from the purple book by the ME Association, which is an exploration of the key clinical issues. Um, they've also got the kind of A to Z of management as well. And... Um, like I've been reading from briefly, but this part is all in the purple book. So I'm just going with the bits that I've not covered in the A to Z to management. A to Z of management. Ooh, foggy. 
so it yeah so as i say it's getting the appropriate amounts of rest and activity both physical and mental is it is the most important aspect of me cfs management but it can be one of the most difficult to achieve which i think a lot of people will will um agree with and finding the right balance will depend on the stage you are at of your illness the severity and the degree of fluctuation of symptoms that are being experienced during the very early stages of an acute onset of MECFS, i.e. within the first few weeks following a viral infection, patient evidence indicates that a period of rest, possibly including a period of bed rest, is advisable. However, there have not been any research studies that have looked at the most appropriate and effective form of activity management in the very early post-infection stage of MECFS. And ideally, this period of rest should then be followed by gradual and flexible increase in both physical and mental activity. At this stage, patients need to establish a baseline at which they feel comfortable and accept that progress may be slow and erratic. And also with finding your baseline, um, it may prove that what you think is your baseline might be too high. You need to set it lower because because of post-exertional malaise, you don't want to kind of go over that and make you worse. Uh, more strength... More activities, both physical and mental, should be carried out in small manageable chunks with a period of rest or relaxation in between. And it is important to stop any form of activity before an exacerbation of, ex, exacerbation of um, fatigue or other exasperation. Oh, I struggle with that word when I'm reading it. Of other symptoms occur. This advice is based on a management approach known as pacing. So that's what a lot of us try to achieve and it's not always easy because emmy basically <laughs> but um, what i find is trying to do chunks of mental activity rest then a little bit of physical whether it's making yourself your lunch or just getting it getting it from the fridge is it's an activity so it's about finding that balance and finding what you can do and i know it's not always easy because you have to factor in families kids pets sometimes especially if you have them before you contract the viral infection or whatever it is that makes you um, um, get ME. So, yeah, the doctor or physiotherapist, um, blah, 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 I'm missing pets here. So more strenuous activities, sorry, should always be attempted with care and under, under medical guidance, preferably using a heart rate monitor if progress has been good. And the aim is to start to increase aerobic activity. Some patients find that the use of a pedometer can be a helpful way of monitoring and recording activity levels and any progress that is being made. Activity level should always be reduced during a relapse or exacerbation of symptoms. Uh, the doctor of all physiotherapists needs to provide clear guidance on how to create a flexible management plan that accounts for day-to-day -day fluctuations in energy levels and symptoms while remaining positive about recovery, which... <laughs> This is kind of a crux because it's not always that easy and a lot of doctors don't, especially your general practitioners, don't know much about ME and there's not many ME clinics anymore or if there are, they always seem to be out of reach. Like I, I don't know any that's close to me. They're all out of my catchment area, for instance. So my doctor, bless her, has got the purple book and she is keeping on top of it as much as she can with my help as well and guidance of how I'm doing. So yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a tough one to get correct that one and um da, 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 da. yes and then uh, this kind of moves on to um what a lot of patients with me will disagree with and 
Small site causes more harm than good, and there seems to be proof of this. But inflexible graded exercise programs that involve a progressive increase in aerobic physical activity on a day to day basis, regardless of how a patient is coping, are not recommended, see, as they are likely to have a detrimental effect, and that is what leads to the post exertional malaise. And sadly, a lot of us went through this when we were diagnosed and on that recovery road that we believed we could get to. And it seems that the graded exercise therapies made most of us, if not all, worse and requiring walking aids or actually being ill. For myself, I fluctuate and relapse and have moments of remission. And I take the remission. I I know from, from personal view now, I need to be more careful in the remission periods because I, I start to want to exercise and do things that I've missed. And I think I don't look after, I haven't been looking after my body well enough. When I've been in remission, I've kind of been abusing it because I can, or that's how I feel. So, um, yeah, it's a real tough one because I think because of doing all the stuff I did at the beginning, it's made it that I do relapse, and I relapse quite often. I'm, I don't go too many periods without having um, ME flare up, so it's really tough. But there are, I do also feel thankful that, that I'm in a position where I do sometimes get a few weeks or months where I am in remission because I know some people don't and I do really um, appreciate that. <laughs> and there were some results, which I'll go into this um, in a minute, um, from several um, RCTs into the use of various graded exercise programs uh, and are frequently used to claim that pacing programs are not the best way of managing people with MECFS and that are more proactive approach involving graded exercises required. However, the authors of this publication believe the appropriate periods of rest are just as important as gradually trying to increase physical and mental activity within a person's limitations once the condition has started to stabilise. In patient feedback that was obtained by the ME Association and other ME-CFS charities for the Chief Medical Officer's report, 89% reported that they found pacing helpful whereas only 35% found graded exercise to be helpful. Almost 50% said graded exercise had made their condition worse and 15% reported no change. In the survey conducted for the MEA management report, 71.2% reported that pacing improved or greatly improved their symptoms whereas 56.5% reported that graded exercise made them slightly worse or much worse. So from a research perspective it should also be noted that an American study has confirmed that inappropriate advice about exercise can easily produce a rapid and quite severe exacerbation of symptoms. And furthermore, two studies that have examined the possible role of physical deconditioning upon which graded exercise programs are often based concluded that deconditioning does not appear to be a a perpetuating factor in the illness and uh, concluded that while MECFS patients were able to increase their daily activity over a period of four weeks, this did not result in improvements in fatigue, muscle pain and mood. They concluded that a daily activity limit does exist in this condition and data from NERI suggests that altered cerebral oxygenation and blood volume may contribute to reduced exercise load in MECFS and supports the contention that the condition is centrally mediated. So um, from the medico-legal point of view, doctors who prescribe exercise programs for MECFS patients must do so with just as much care as they would a prescription drug. A copy of a letter to US physicians from researchers who have investigated exercise physiology in MECFS 
and which warns of the dangers of graded exercise therapy is included in the Purple Book publication. So if you did want to read more into this, you could. So, And then before I go on to the page trial itself, I've got a page here which is about cognitive behaviour therapy. So CBT is an aspect of management that causes considerable controversy uh, largely because of the various ways it is administered in the case of MECFS. At the one end of the spectrum, CBT is used, and this is where I agree with it, as it is with many other chronic medical conditions to help people develop better ways of coping with symptoms, such as fatigue, pain or sleep disturbance, with a clear acceptance that these have a genuine physical basis. This type of approach may therefore be helpful to patients who are not managing their lifestyle adjustment in an appropriate manner, or where there is depression or psychosocial distress complicating the clinical picture. And at the other end of the spectrum, CBT is a therapy based on the idea that MECFS is essentially a psychological illness that may well be triggered by an infection, but is then per per perpetuated by a vicious circle of abnormal illness beliefs and abnormal illness behaviour both of which need to be addressed and challenged if recovery is going to occur. Not surprisingly, this is an approach that many patients find both inappropriate and offensive. And a number of clinical trials involving the use of CBT, including the PACE trial, which I will go into in a second, um, showed that this approach can sometimes be of some help to some people with, with research defined. However, in other trials, CBT has produced little or no benefit overall and or has been to not benefited a significant proportion of patients. CBT has also been reported to have an effect on heart rate variability. For some people with ME-CFS who require this sort of help, straightforward counselling is an option that has been reported as being a cost-effective alternative to CBT. In patient feedback obtained by the MEA, and other MECFS charities for the Chief Medical Officer's report, only 7% of patients found CBT to be helpful, 26% said it made their condition worse, and 67% reported no change. In the survey done for the MEA management report, 25.9% reported that CBT had improved or greatly improved their symptoms, 54.6% reported no change, and 19.5% reported that CBT had made their condition slightly worse or much worse. Now, I should add that I think that the people who have found it's made them worse as they probably um, had their medical team look at CBT as a cure for something psychological and ME is not psychological, it's not in the head, it's not in the brain. There will be an aspect of psychological illness that comes with it because you have to adapt with losing your life, losing um, things you take for granted like just sitting up for a, a prolonged period of time. Not, you know, there's so many things that ME affects that to use CBT to say that you've it's all going on in your head is really cruel, and it kind of is gaslighting the patient and their experience of this illness, which leads on to the PAGE trial. Now, when I first was diagnosed with um, ME, it was when. Um, 2006, yeah, so 2004, Gudger Fever, 2006. And the PACE trial was just about, I think it was just starting, or was it? So I was offered to do it. And the problem being is they, I think they used pacing, graded exercise therapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy, but in the ways of meaning that it, 
increasing exercise at an unsafe way and CBT as a cure. And you didn't get to pick what um, you could do. So um, I didn't really fancy going into like a lucky dip of what um, treatment I was going to get. So I um, opted for CBT because I knew that mentally I wasn't in a good place because obviously for two years I've been back and forth to hospitals having needles shoved in my arm and no everyone's saying I was okay when I wasn't so I went for CBT for me so the PACE trial stands for adaptive pacing graded activity and cognitive behavioral therapy a randomized evaluation the PACE trial was a parallel group trial that randomly allocated patients to receive either specialist medical care alone or in combination with adaptive pacing therapy cognitive behavioral therapy or graded exercise exercise therapy. The trial involved 641 patients meeting the Oxford criteria for CFS. 160 in the APT group, 161 in the CBT group, 160 in the GET group, and 160 in the SMC, which is the um, specialist medical care group. Primary outcomes were fatigue, measured by Childer Fatigue Questionnaire Score, and physical function measured by the SF36 physical function subscale score up to 52 weeks after randomization. The trial concluded that CBT and GET can be safely added to SMC to moderately improve outcomes in MECFS patients, but that APT was not an effective addition. Additional papers have reported on cost effectiveness and recovery, long-term follow-up, using a postal questionnaire found that there was little difference in outcomes between the randomized treatment groups at this point. However, various aspects of the way in which PACE trial was organized, the manner in which the results were then reported in both medical journals and the media, and the way in which recovery was defined and reported have been criticized by patients, MECFS charities and political representatives, the latter resulting in a debate in the House of Lords. Among the many criticisms directed at the PACE trial, are that it was unblinded, that it relied on self-reported outcome measures, that it lacked objective outcome measures covering key aspects of recovery, such as mobility, i.e. the use of the six-minute walking test rather than actographs. And then the data on the one objective outcome that was used was disappointing, i.e. there was an increase in disability payments to people in all three interventions. Brown, in 2015, have investigated the role of peripheral or muscle abnormalities in MECFS, uh, reported that there are at least two muscle phenotypes. This might explain in part the limited benefits seen in the PACE trial for GET. The authors concluded that these results emphasised the potential for generically prescribing exercise as an effective intervention. At the same time, patient evidence continues to strongly support the use of pacing in terms of both effectiveness and safety. This is why the ME Association continues to recommend this approach to activity management. Now, um, to go to the reports, um, we've got like a table with the key findings and everything. So during 2012, the MEA carried out a survey which gathered detailed patient evidence on all the aspects of CBT, GET and pacing, including efficacy, safety and acceptability. The online the online and paper questionnaires were completed by 1,428 respondents and part one of the report, which contains both 
quantitative and qualitative data relates to the use of CBT, GET and pacing by health professionals when delivered in either a one-to-one -one basis or in a group setting. And part two covers self-management using these three approaches. Part one has been published on the MEA website, which is www.meassociation.org.uk forward slash 2015 forward slash 05 forward slash 23959 if you would like to read more onto it. Um, so for courses which included no overlap with other forms of treatment, CBT 8% water improvement in symptoms, 73% reported no change, 18% reported that symptoms became worse. GET 12% um, reported an improvement in symptoms, 14% reported, no, 40 reported no change, 74%, which is really high, reported that symptoms became worse. And pacing, 45% reported an improvement in symptoms, 41% no change, 14% reported that symptoms became worse. So for the ME Association, the key recommendations, CBT should not be recommended as a primary intervention for people with ME-CFS. When used appropriately, the practical coping component can help some patients come to terms with their illness. CBT can also help be helpful for some patients who have comorbid anxiety or depression. GET cannot be regarded as a safe and effective form of treatment for everyone with ME-CFS. GET should be withdrawn with immediate effect as primary intervention for everyone with ME-CFS. And pacing was constantly found to be safe, acceptable and the preferred form of treatment. And pacing should therefore be a key component of any illness management programme. And I have to say I agree with that wholeheartedly because it's really hard to explain until you're put into a position. And I think that's where spoon theory is really good. And if just Google spoon theory, I'm not going to go into it now. You can have a look on your phone, your tablet, your laptop. Just Google spoon theory and that'll tell you a little bit to what it's like living with a chronic disease that especially limits um, your energy. Um, and another important thing before I go on to what some people have found helpful or not helpful, um, diet and nutrition is quite important. And a well-balanced diet that includes complex carbohydrates because these help to stabilise blood sugar levels and avoid avoiding caffeine should be advised. Um, for me, I try to stop caffeine after a certain point in the day because I, I do like a cup of tea and a cup of coffee in the morning and I try I normally look to it after a certain point in the afternoon around about four o'clock I'd say no more caffeine because uh, you just you don't want to aid something that's already uh, already keeping you awake so and I think I did touch on the food and nutrition before so I will leave that there before I get too bogged down with stuff we don't need to talk about but um not that we don't need to talk about but i don't want to go over something that i've already um done before so my personal experience on um, this before i read you what other people have said is um that the pacing is the, the best way to go graded exercise therapy is completely wrong i've done it and i think in my head i believed i was getting better but i was just pushing myself more um, and of course I just keep on relapsing now which is frustrating and like this relapse is coming up to two years of being at the same level I'm coping a bit better now because I've kind of realised I mean, typical just in time for summer holiday but I've kind of realised what where I'm at and I'm 
actually for once asking for help. So, you know, I've got help with um, Pip because we've got to put our daughters into childcare, which obviously on one wage is very not affordable. Um, so that is a massive help for us, as is um, I've got a mobility scooter coming, which again will be a massive bonus. Um, it means I might be able to, you know, the girls like to go out on their scooters and go for walks. I can't do that because I've only got a walker at the moment, which is handy to help me walk a bit and sit, but you've still got to walk back. So the mobility scooter, which is just being prepared for me now, will be an absolute game changer, I believe. And um, yeah, and pacing your activities, and it is hard trying to get a balance between how much you should do and how much you shouldn't do. The, the key is to try and aim at doing less than you think's right because at the end of the day it is so much better to go under slightly under your baseline until you are more established and then once you get into a nice area you can start to add a little bit a little bit of stretching if you if you are able to obviously don't do it if you can't and again it's kind of not graded exercise therapy but your bot, you get to a point where your body can cope with it, unless you're in the severe, um, to extreme severe, the 25% group, that, that is completely different. You're isolated to your bed, and that is heartbreaking to see people go through that because it is so tough um, when you can't have any light, can't have any sound, it's, you, you can't move, you can't feed, you have to be um, fed through a straw sort of thing. It's really difficult. So, um, but yeah, you can start to add a few things if you feel able but again listen to your body i think is the main key i would say here because you are the only one who knows what your body feels like and what it's going through so don't push it if you can avoid it so i've got a few little because i put a thing out on instagram of um what kind of treatments or management you've um done and um first response was from at power chair queen who said she tried the hypobaric oxygen therapy which made her more tired but found the what helpful the flotation while meditating so i am i i must admit i've never i hadn't heard of the hypobaric um method before um but it's to do with um, having the less pressure, I believe. Um, I'm trying to look into it now. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I said, that, yeah, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And um, so it is like you go in a chamber and it's kind of, it's meant to help in alleviating symptoms such as fatigue and insomnia. And... Um, Again, I would say tread. there's no scientific um, research or proof that this works. So I would definitely say avoid unless your doctor suggests it. But even then, tread lightly because it is um, um, it just it's stuff that's not been tested in our in MECFS. So, uh, you, you know, and it might work for one person, but it might not work for another. It's one of those difficult ones. But the flotation while meditating is sounds good. And I know a lot of people will be tutting because I know people suggest yoga and meditation to help this illness it 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 won't necessarily help the illness but it might help your state of mind if you're in a depressive state so again that's one of those things that will help a secondary secondary condition not 
DME, CFS, but it might be something that you enjoy and gives you gives you something. So definitely, if you think so, go for it. Um, now I've got this in two parts, I think. Yes. So these are both from um, at Rowley5084, and she's put um, cupping. It's helped with her brain fog and it's helped with back pain. And that was just after one session. So I'd, I'd like to see where she's at now. So that's basically where they put those cups on your back and like suction type thing. So um, um, she has got a picture of it happening. She's put it in black and white because she doesn't want because there's a couple of um, blood spills and she didn't want to trigger anyone. But she had cupping treatment and she said I could use this from her post. Um, it says I had cupping treatment today. It looks like a medieval torture device, but it was actually really relaxing. It's an ancient form of alternative medicine in which a therapist puts special cups on your skin to create suction. People get it for many purposes, including to help pain, inflammation, blood flow, relaxation, and well-being. And as a type of deep tissue massage, all that dark blood was basically the detox, all the metals and stuff coming out of her. And her head cleared immediately, and she believe she will feel the benefits starting over the next few days so again that's something that you um could definitely look into they're the only two that i've got sadly but um, um i thought i had more obviously i've imagined it have i what's these ones oh no i have got more i, was, I, I did thought i had more so um at laura lipscomb is in um agree with graded exercise therapy made her worse Cognitive behavioural therapy made no difference. Counselling made no difference as I thought I coped well. Antidepressants made no difference and certain ones made me worse and caused other problems. Homeopathy made no difference. Melatonin helped me sleep but left me like a zombie in the morning. I tried Reiki once and it helped me sleep well for a week but that's all. Reflexology didn't make much difference. Acupuncture made me feel awful the next day but gave me an energy boost the day after that. After a year of weekly treatment, it seemed to stop working. Uh, she says she's tried various vitamins and supplements. None really help, but feel worse without some of them. And she says she follows a low GI diet and finds sugar causes more pain for her. In her experience, it's about managing this condition with rest and pacing. And she did feel significantly better whilst breastfeeding. Like, that's quite an interesting one. I wonder what, that, what that's about. Might have to have a look into that one, see if that's um, happened to anyone else. Uh, and then I've also got Ot, at Chronic Illness Crafter, and she said GET was absolutely ridiculous. CBT useful with the therapist she has now, although she has had, um, she has bipolar disease, so a lot going on mentally. Lavender was a game changer for her regarding sleeping, um, which I must cut in here and say, yes, we use lavender. Lindsay loves it, and I must say I do too. <laughs> and um, she says if she's in a flare, she doesn't really use it, but otherwise uses it every night because certain smells can cause trigger uh, um, an issue so yeah I get that um, vitamins do help in some way because she feels worse without them and uh, she's tried many holistic remedies CBD oils and the like but they didn't really do anything basically for her it's the prescription meds which took seven years to perfect and pacing which works best for keeping flares down and daily symptoms somewhat manageable and she's put love and positive vibes which I, everyone always appreciates love and positive vibes, even if the positive vibes aren't going to make us better. Um, so, and then the last one was at halfway to dead, cutting out the endless pharmaceuticals doctors had me on was step one. Then once I knew what symptoms were actually real, I eliminated all 
inflammatory foods for my diet and added in vitamins and supplements including cannabis and mushrooms then of course lots of fresh air water sunshine and reducing stress of all kinds uh, she's still housebound but in her quality of life is infinitely better than it was and i think that's the thing a lot of us are looking for a better quality of life not necessarily getting 100 percent recovery although that would be nice most of us who have been in this for a long time won't ever see that sadly but with things like the decode me research that could change which that it could be a game to, well, it is a game changer it's the biggest um genetics research into me cfs that's ever been done so if you haven't done that yet and you've got me cfs please go to the link in my um instagram account at chat with me and uh or at brooks me at swift and you will find the link for the decode me uh, genetics research in that and you can take part if you haven't but it is about getting a better quality of life and I think that's what a lot of us strive for because it is just that it is a better quality of life that we want and um, yeah so um, I think that's about it I think I've wrapped up any questions please please do not be scared to hit me at my Instagram account at chat with me pod I think it is or, or at Brooks Me at Swift, and um, I will happily get back to you. If you've got any requests for a show or interviewing someone, if anyone's willing to come on and take part, I can happily do that too. Um, it's interesting because I got a message from at Contact THR um, on one of my, I think it was on one, one, a post for Taylor Swift, which I've got tickets for. If anyone else is going, I hope you manage to get tickets too. I have no idea if I'll be able to go because any you know but i have got um accessibility tickets for wembley and my friend dave's taking me as a carer which on one case he's a bit like he he can't stand taylor swift which is you know that's up to him he doesn't like her it's fine but paramore as um the um, openers we both used to love and go and watch them so that's going to be a lovely little um token for him to come and take me to taylor and we both get paramore too but um on that post she actually mentioned um she doesn't mean to be nosy, but there is no post. Is there any post where I'm talking about remission versus relapsing? Because she's really curious about circumstances where people fluctuate, and no worries if not. So I put, in all honesty, I can't remember. I might have, but I can't remember, and which is true. I'm not sifting all the way back through all of my um, posts because that would take forever. And then I opened up my notes for this fight because I did write episode five of how I wanted to break it down. The treatments and managements. God, that must be about what four weeks six five five six weeks ago so i've completely forgotten that i put the next show will be about relapses flare-ups and fluctuations which i thought that's actually really good because i said i would do something so the fact that that's already written down means that that is what i'm going to do and i'll talk a little bit more about me and how i cope with my illness in that section and like i say it may well be in three weeks time rather than two depending on how I am after because there'll be a lot of traveling and I don't want to commit and not be able to deliver so hopefully see you in two weeks if not I'll see you in three weeks happy summer holidays to everyone who's now got their kids off I hope you're going away as someone nice if you can and if you can't I hope you get to enjoy a little bit of um, time out in the garden or out on your mobility aids obviously I know it's not 
not everyone can do that not everyone's going to be in a position to be able to do that so i just wish you all peace and love and i hope that the emmy monster as one of my friends uses in a book um i quite like that term i hope it's plays kindly and does the symptoms are as good as possible because i know even on a good date it's still bad but i'm just wishing you as many good dates as possible and at that note i've spoken longer than i intended and i'm now um, gonna go and rest so thank you so much for listening guys as always i'm michael brooks this is chat with me and i will speak to you soon